when um, back at this past lectureship, uh, maybe some of you were able to hear Bill uh, Watkins speak. Uh, he preaches at Creve Hall. And he used an illustration in a sermon that I thought I was the only one that had ever heard of it. It happened over 22, 23 years ago. I remember we were still in our, well, I had just gotten out of college, uh, not had not been out very long, and we were still living in West Virginia. And uh, I was watching the news one night, it was CNN, and uh, there was a, um, there was a, a, a camera, you know how the, those skydivers will have these helmet cams? And this guy was filming the formations of this crew of guys that jumped out of the plane and they were joining hands and legs and, and he recorded all that. And then when it came time, everybody kind of pulls their chute and uh, their ripcord and their chute, you know, goes up one at a time. And when it came time for the cameraman to pull his ripcord, all of a sudden the camera starts going back and forth really frantically. The guy had jumped out of the plane without putting his parachute on and didn't realize it until it came time to pull his ripcord. Now, he had a camera pack on his head that uh, was kind of a shoulder strap thing, and they surmised that maybe he just kind of assumed that that was his parachute. It was his fifth jump of the day, and he had recorded five different jumps, and he just, I guess, got tired and careless and jumped and jumped to his death. I remember seeing that video, and it burned an image in my mind and uh, it has, through the years, served by way of illustration at least several times from the sermons that I've taught as to what man's greatest need is. You know, when, when this man jumped out of this plane, he had a need. And it wasn't what a lot of people would think. And of all the things of value in the world, that man, he wouldn't have cared if you could give him a million dollars or a billion dollars. That means nothing to him at that time. There's only one thing he wants. It's a parachute. We place great value on a lot of things, but when it gets right down to it, certain situations, money and all that, it doesn't matter. There was only one thing that man needed, and it was a parachute. And it brings to mind what man's greatest need is. And there are a lot of people that are oblivious to that need, just like that man who jumped out of the plane. The moment he jumped out of that plane without the parachute, he was in need, though he didn't realize it. And the moment we sin, we separate ourselves from God and we need good news. We may not realize it. We may not have a cognizance that we are plunging toward an eternity separated from God, but the fact still remains. And so what our job is today is to try to help people to understand their desperate situation and to put them in connection with the one thing that they need more than anything else in the world. And when we talk about what we need, sometimes we fool ourselves and we say we need things when we don't really. Oh, if I just had more time, I could fix things. I wish I had more time to make things right. Listen, you don't need time. Because you know what you'll do with that time that you would be given if you could have more time? You, You would make mistakes during that time too. 
and time doesn't make up for, and you can't, through good works or whatever it is that you might do, you can't pay for your sin by having extra time. You know, if somebody sinned and through their negligence, well, let's say somebody gets behind the wheel of a car and they get drunk and they kill someone I love. Time, working off some kind of a plan, that's going to satisfy me? Well, I'll tell you what, here's what I'll do. Because I did this, I'll, I'll do this for you for the rest of my life. They can do whatever they want. It won't change what has taken place and it won't fix it. So we don't need time. We don't also need, we, we don't need a second chance either. I hear people say, well, if I just had another chance, give me one more chance. It, that doesn't help. Because you know what you would do with that extra chance? If, you were, if God could just blank it out and say, all right, I'll let you start all over again, you'd mess that up too. We all have many, many times over. So it's not time we need. It's not a second chance we need. We need pardon. That's the one thing we need. I need someone to say, you are forgiven. And that's the good news of the gospel. And that's what makes the gospel good news. Pardon is exactly what the gospel offers. And if you have your Bible, open it to Romans chapter 1, uh, where Alan just read from. And I want us to look at three verses this evening and just pull a point out from each one of those verses where um, we will focus for the rest of the lesson. And one of the things from these three verses, well, in particular, verse 15, I want us to notice the preparation for the gospel. Anything as important as the gospel of Christ, the one thing that everybody needs more than anything else in the world If there is a message that is that important, it deserves, demands preparation. The Apostle Paul said in verse 15, So as um, much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. Paul said, as much as is in me, with all my strength and ability, I am ready. Preparation ready to preach. Now, I'll grant it, there are some respects in which Paul had an advantage over us today. Uh, From the standpoint, if you turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 through 20, Jesus was telling his apostles how that they would be uh, taken before kings and authorities and have to speak and give defense. But he made a promise to them because they had the Holy Spirit who would guide them into all truth. He said, in those moments when that happens to you, in that hour of your need, you will be given what and how to speak. Wouldn't that be nice? You don't have to uh, prepare a sermon when it's your turn to speak. You don't have to prepare a Bible class. God would just give you the right thing to say in the right way, and you would say it. Boy, inspiration would have been great. But we don't have that. They did, but that didn't erase from them difficulties because Paul said in Colossians um, chapter 4 and verse 3 and 4, he said, uh, I want you to pray for me. As God opens doors for me as as an apostle of Jesus Christ, I, I covet your prayers. You know why? So that 
I have the courage to say the things that need to be said. The fact that God was going to guide the truthfulness of what they said didn't mean they would always have the courage to say it. They still had freedom of choice. Paul could have abandoned God and said, I I don't want it anymore. And so he prayed for strength. There's still that aspect, that preparation where I've got to be courageous. But now today, we don't have the advantage of the Holy Spirit preparing for us uh, what we are going to say and how we're going to say it. So we have uh, some, some requirements. We need to know our Bible. If we're to be prepared to preach the gospel, we need to know the Word of God. Second Timothy 2 and verse 15, study or give diligence to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. If we're going to convince people that there is a message that can save their soul, we need to know what that message teaches. Let's become familiar with the Bible. I told you not too long ago about a, a lady who came to me and she had a question. She had her Bible marked in Proverbs and she had taken her little marker out to tell me something and then I wanted her to turn back and, well, her marker was out. And so she just said, um, you know, I'll just look at that when I get home. I know she was embarrassed. She didn't know how to find the passage she had marked. And that's fine. We're all at different levels of development and so forth. But this woman had been a Christian for, I don't know, 40 years maybe. And she doesn't know how or where to find the book of Proverbs in her Bible. Study to show yourself approved unto God. We have a message that can save the world. We, we need to prepare ourselves to take this message to people. It also requires, preparation requires boldness. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, preach the word that charge is given to us. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men won't endure sound doctrine. But they'll heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. They'll turn away from the truth and turn to fables. There are times when we have to preach and tell people what they don't want to hear and what they've closed their ears to and what they'll hate you for if you go ahead and say it. What do I do when my friends don't believe the truth? Do I have the courage to say it to them? Do I have the courage to go ahead and to be bold and speak and, and show them what God's will is on the matter? Or do I just remain quiet, let them go their way because I don't like the conflict? So I don't like conflict, and probably none of us do. But there comes a time when we need to stand up and speak up. The preparation or the gospel demands that we prepare ourselves for that kind of boldness necessary. And we need to be passionate. Uh, the gospel of Christ, you know, there, there were 30-some people from here that went all the way to Honduras to take the gospel. A lot of expense. There, there was a congregation of people here who helped foot the bill to send those people to Honduras. Why? Why would that many people go and... Why would that many people make the sacrifice to enable them to go? Because they're passionate about the message of the gospel. It's important. It's vital. The Apostle Paul loved people.
people so much that in Romans chapter 9, do you remember he said, if I could be accursed, if I myself could be accursed by God, if it meant that you would be saved, I'd do it. I I could do that. Do you love people that much? Do you want people to be saved to that extent? Paul loved the people to whom he was preaching. And if we're going to present the gospel to the world, we we have to prepare ourselves. And the way we do that is to get to know our Bible, be bold, and love people. All right? Well, here's that's a point from verse 15. Let's look at verse 16. And from this verse, we see the power of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel of Christ, it's the power of God unto salvation. That message that tells us what Jesus did for us, what else is there? If I don't know what Jesus did for me on the cross, what other remedy is there for our sin? I, I can't work my way out of it. I, I, I can't pray my way out of it. I can't say I'm sorry enough times to make God forget about it. There has to be some satisfactory payment for my sin. And it's the death of Jesus. And I don't understand all the theological ins and outs of that. But I do know that Paul said in Romans that Jesus and his death on the cross enabled God to be both, the, both just and the justifier of men. I don't understand all the ins and outs, but I know that the death of Jesus enabled God to continue to maintain his justice and at the same time save us and be just in doing so. And so the power of the gospel, we need to preach. Enough time is wasted, too much time is wasted on things that are peripheral. We spend too much time talking about things that, um, and, and talking about is fine, but when we get to splitting hairs about things that are irrelevant, that aren't matters of revelation, that aren't a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they're things that we get contentious about and we end up dividing over and, and hurting the cause of Christ, we've, we've got our focus all wrong. The gospel is the power of God and salvation. That is what we need to be preaching. And if the gospel is the power of God and salvation, then we don't need Latter-day Revelation, do we? I don't need God talking to me today, telling me different things. If, if the gospel is the power to save, then why do I need anything else? And wouldn't anything else be a little too late? There's already been given to us that which can save our soul. And it's the fact that Jesus died on the cross so that I can have life. There's power in the gospel. And then the third point from verse 17 For in it, that is, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is is written, the just shall live by faith. Um, 
There are a couple of statements, I guess, that are a little bit difficult in that passage in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. First of all, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, there's sometimes I think there's some misunderstanding about the, the nature of that phrase. Just what, what is meant? Is that verse saying that the gospel tells us that God is righteous? I don't think that's what it's saying. Now, that's part of, I mean, that's true. We, we do learn that. But didn't they already know that? Didn't the Jews already know that God is a righteous God? Isn't it already proclaimed throughout the whole Bible, the Old, the Old Testament, the dealings of God with man from the beginning, that God is righteous and holy? I think what he's talking about here is not God's personal righteousness, but what makes men righteous in God's eyes. In the gospel is revealed what it takes to be righteous in the eyes of God. In fact, if you want a parallel passage, you might turn to Romans chapter 10 in the first three verses there where uh, the Jews were trying to find their own form of righteousness and in the process had rejected the righteousness of God. Those people hadn't said, God's no longer righteous. They hadn't rejected his personal righteousness, but they had rejected his plan for righteousness. Here's how you're going to have to be righteous. Here's how to become righteous, by accepting Jesus Christ, by being obedient to him. They rejected God's righteousness, way of becoming righteous. They sought to establish their own, and that fell far short. And so here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, we see something about the nature of the gospel. You know why it is so important is because it tells us of how men become righteous in the eyes of God. And it also tells us that this righteousness, which is revealed in the gospel, is from faith to faith. And again, that's an expression that has caused uh, a a little bit of controversy and, and people have tried to understand. And I might explain it this way. If you were in of a building that's a hundred stories tall and you're in the very top of it and there's a there's a raging inferno in that building and all you want to do is get to the ground that's your goal to get outside of that building get your feet on the ground get out of there well i guess there are two ways you can do that one way is find the nearest window and jump Now, that'll get you to the ground, but you won't like the way you arrive. Or there may be another way where you stay low and stay below the level of the smoke and you go down the stairs and and, and you find your way out. Now, which way would you choose? Well, I think we'd all choose the way that leads safely out. And in terms of justification, in terms of being righteous, theoretically, there are two ways you can do it. One is to live perfectly and never sin. And you're right before God and you can actually make demands uh, at the day of judgment. But who can do that? I I can't stand before... I I can't... I've already blown it for myself and so have you if you're an adult. Um, Nobody is able to, to go that route and be successful. We won't like the way it ends up. But there's another way. There's the way of doing it perfectly or there's the way of faith. 
the means of faith where I trust in God and I, he makes allowance for my imperfections and I go that way. Now, which way do I want to go? Well, I want to go the way of faith. And so because of this way that God has made, he says this, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel and it's by faith or through faith. And that leads to faith. I don't like the jumping out the window way because I know how that ends. I don't like the perfect life way because I know how that ends. I like the way of faith. And so that leads to my own personal obedience, my own personal faith in Jesus Christ because God has arranged this way that through faith in Jesus I can be saved. It leads me to faith. And so it's from faith to faith. I think that's what the, the, the writer, uh, the Apostle Paul, was trying to get across here. And Galatians 2 and verse 16, I don't want to go into it, but if you want to uh, maybe even highlight in your Bible right next to Romans 1, 17, that verse, Galatians 2, 16, I think that's a parallel passage there where Paul says, because our salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed. It leads us to believe and to place our faith in Jesus. But within our grasp is the greatest, most powerful message in the world. And we need to prepare ourselves to proclaim it. It is a message that everyone needs whether they realize it or not. And without it, we are, we're hopeless And I'll tell you what, back to that illustration, that man who 20-some years ago jumped out of that plane, he was headed to his death and he didn't know it. It took some time before he realized it, and when he realized it, it was too late. But the moment he stepped off that plane, he was headed to his death. And there are people who are in the same position that he is in right now. They're in the same kind of peril They're in the same kind of desperate situation, only worse, because we're not talking about physical life, we're talking about a spiritual life. And they may think they're fine, and they may think they have no need. They may think they're okay. They may not know the danger they're in, but we see it. We know it. So what will we do? I hope we'll offer them the one thing that they need more than anything in the world, whether they realize it or not. And let them decide whether they'll put that parachute on for themselves or not. Let's preach the gospel. Let's love people enough to tell them of what Jesus did for them. Let's prepare ourselves to know and to be able to give answer to the reason of the hope that we have within us with meekness and in fear. Let's proclaim that message Because it's in the truthfulness of that message that mankind is saved. If you're here tonight and you've not yet obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news is that Jesus made arrangements. He satisfied God's demand for justice in his death on the cross. He died for you. What we need to do is respond to his death and in essence, reenacts what he did. He died to he died in 
uh, on the cross. He was buried, and He rose again the third day. And through our obedience to the gospel, we reenact that same thing. We die to sin, we are buried in the waters of baptism, and we rise to walk in newness of life. If you haven't done that, do that tonight. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to make your life right, you need to get more serious, preparing yourself for the gospel, more passionate about the souls around you who are lost, more aware of what's taking place in the need that men and women find themselves in. We'll pray with you to the end that you be more aware, more dedicated to the cause of Christ, more in touch with the needs of people. We all fall into that category from time to time, and sometimes we just need to be reminded. We serve a good God. He's made provision for our imperfections. Why don't you take advantage of it? If you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.